Roger, I have to say that I am so pleased to have you on. I've, I, you're, you're number 217 of the podcast that I have. And I've known you longer than anyone I have had on the podcast, including my second son, Louis, who's turning 34. 30, yeah, 34. Wow. I've known you longer. <laughs> yeah. I knew you before you got married. You knew me before I got married. Exactly. Yeah. My goodness. We no, it's, it's kind of scary how fast the time goes by. Doesn't it? Yeah. But it's been a great. Hasn't it been a good Wonderful one? time. Hasn't it? Yeah. I yeah. really think so. Yeah. But thank you so much for doing well, this. Well, thank so you for inviting me. It's, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's a real honor to be here. And, and I'm glad you're coming at this time because I've gotten a lot of the kinks out of it. We're no longer in little small rooms. I've got a little formula going now, so it makes it easier for me to shoot everyone. I've got four cameras. I know. So, I mean, I walked into this place. Yes. I think, wow, what a <laughs> studio setup you've got. Uh, Tell me, what, let's start off with this. I yeah. always start with everyone. Where were you born? So I was born in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is... Um, I tell my Canadian friends I'm from South Canada, and they go, "Where in Southern Canada?" I said, "No, no, no, not Southern Canada, South Canada, the southern shore of Lake Erie, and directly across, almost directly across, was London, Ontario, and uh, we're about two hours away from uh, Buffalo, from Niagara Falls, mm. and this is snow country, okay, because all that Arctic air." comes down from across Canada and it's pretty dry and then it hits the lake and it's like 40 to 50 miles of water that it goes over, picks up all this moisture, hits the southern shores and then dumps. And that's why some of the, the largest snowfalls in, in the United States anyhow are all along the southern shores of those, those great lakes. Yes. Yeah. It's the five great lakes, right? It's five great lakes. Five yeah. great lakes, Erie right. is the shallowest. Okay. Uh, and that's the one that actually, is that the one that you're you're closest to that you yeah, so right, right on the shore right on the shore, oh, shore of, of, of yeah, yeah okay yeah. Um, so and it's um, at one point I think it was probably the third largest city in Pennsylvania okay I think what it, is it now I'm not uh, sure I mean for it, Pennsylvania uh, it may be I don't know, it may be the fourth largest city okay. in Pennsylvania, but yeah. it's one that a lot of people don't know about. You know, it's it's up way up on this northwest corner. Yeah. Uh, Did you grow up with siblings? Uh, I'm the oldest of five. So tell me, how's it go? Boy? So f- uh, boy, 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 girl, okay. boy. So only one girl? Only one girl. And as you can imagine, she's pretty tough. How many years between you and the youngest? 14 or 15 years, maybe 14 years, yeah. Are they all doing okay? Uh, So my my closest next brother uh, died uh, about five or six years ago. Um, And it was, you know, one of those cases, I think he wasn't taking care of himself. He was smoking a lot and eating and drinking the wrong things and not exercising. Did he stay in Pennsylvania? He was, no, he lived in... North Carolina, oh, I so think. Moved, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so right now, I'm closest actually with my sister and my baby brother. Okay. And we talk on the phone pretty frequently. Right. Uh, and then the uh, third number the three. Thir- number three, um, we we talk maybe once or twice a year on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my sister lives in New Jersey, and my two brothers live in uh, still in Erie, Pennsylvania, or very close by Erie, Pennsylvania. By where they grew up? Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What about mom and dad? Uh, they passed away. My father was 98, and probably in better shape, certainly in better shape than I am, and maybe in better shape than both of us together wow. at 98. Uh, he, he actually, it was, it was kind of a, a shocking and uh, unhappy story, but the house that my parents had lived in for 70-some years, um, there was a power outage. When the power came back on, there was a surge, something, there was an electrical fire that started, and it was a very dry, windy day. My mother was, um, didn't have a, a mobile phone, and I'd been trying for years to, to get her to get a, f- a phone, and she wouldn't buy one. She wouldn't let me buy her one. Uh, and 
all the, you know, the, the phone lines were out, so she left out the front door to go to the next door neighbors to call the fire department. My father went in the back door because he thought she was uh, stuck in the fire, and he got caught in there. He died in the fire? Yeah. Well, he, oh, he died of smoke sick. inhalation about four days later. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. sad. And then I think two years later, my mother, my mother passed away at 90, almost 95. From a broken heart, I mean. Too. Yeah, pretty she'd much. Been with him, she'd been with him all her life. Pretty much. I mean, seventy that, that, that years. Yeah, and um, so actually, it's a very good point, Lance, because when my uh, my brother passed away, it was my mother. I think that's that's what did it. She blamed herself for my father, which was she shouldn't have, but she did, of course. And then when my my brother passed. He was kind of the troubled child in the family, and mom was, his you know, supporting anchor, him. His yeah, she was, I think, behind the scenes. She wasn't telling anybody. I think she was supporting him a lot. So when he passed away, basically, um, she felt there was no no reason uh, to go on. Would he pass away before she did? Right after your father had passed, then your brother passed. So two years later, my brother, my uh, my Wait. brother passed away oh, after. So Wait. two years after my father died. And then your mother died? No, my okay, brother did. My brother did. Okay, your brother died. And I was actually flying to the U.S. to go to my brother's funeral, and my mother had suddenly gone in hospital. She came out and went into rehabilitation, which she's, she was a tough cookie also. I mean, she, she was uh, years earlier, she had... I forget what happened. She'd fallen down and hurt her leg or something. And the uh, in rehabilitation, they said, "Well, this will take you six months to get back walking again." And she said, "Well, we'll see about that." Six weeks later, she was <laughs> running up and down stairs. I mean, that's the kind of person she was. Oh. And this time, she just said, "Why do I have to do this? I don't feel like doing rehabilitation anymore." And e essentially, what we did then is, or she did, is called all the family in from from around everywhere and we spent about 10 days with her and she just said you know talk she talked to every one of us privately and said um, I'm pretty sure it's my time to go wait, wait, wait. let me let me get myself right yeah now your brother's already he's done he, he, passed. he, he passed this is two years after your father had already yes died. yeah okay so your brother passed because of illnesses yes okay and your mother had hurt her leg. Had no, no, that that was that was years that was earlier. Years that ago. was years earlier. But then but she was in hospital. She had, you know, Lance. I can't remember the medical term for it, mm -hmm. but it's a an inflammation of the heart, okay. and um, it in and of itself, it's probably not life threatening. But when we talked to the the doctors as to what would cause that, and they said it's one of those things we really don't know. But often. Stress or emotional stress, and this was emotional stress. To your point, not so much a technical term, broken heart. Broken heart, yeah, yes. Yeah, and um, so that, that was that. And but then she got a chance to talk to everyone. She did, yeah. So, uh, Were you with her when she passed? Yes, yeah. Were yeah. you right beside her? Yep. You know what they say? Well, I'm going to get emotional. Let me try to, because we're so far back in time. But I heard this recently by a famous person. He said that for a son, particularly the first one, his first true love is his mother. Mm -hmm. And for a mother, her last true love is her first son. That could be. Could very well be. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. So we're very... In a sense, I feel extremely lucky. She lived a good life, man. Oh yeah, ninety-five years. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not bedridden or anything like that. You know what I mean? That's beautiful. no. Actually, in that sense, I think um, I'm pretty lucky. I've got pretty good gene pool. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Now tell me this. Let's yeah. go. Let's get into something a little bit lighter. When you were growing up, what kind of kid were you? Were you more academic or were you more sports-minded, physical? There, there's a not a yes or no answer to that. In terms of what most people think of as uh, classically academic, absolutely not. But in terms of being very curious and reading, I read voraciously. Did you really? Newspapers. From what, from what age? Did you, do you oh, remember? Uh, just yeah, uh, probably I think the first book that I 
actual you know book without pictures that I I remember reading was um, it was actually a science fiction book for children, okay. and I think I was six years old. Did your parents read to you regularly? Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. Before that, they dad and mom. No, mom. Okay. No. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That, that's another story. That's another story. <laughs> that's another story. In yeah, right. Maybe for a different okay, time. Okay. But, um, so you love to read. I love to read. I read lots of books. I read okay. huge amounts of books. I read anything that had print on it, I would read. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think I was considered fairly knowledgeable, but when it came to studying, that wasn't me. But you still got good grades. Uh, passing grades. I didn't have good grades, Lance. Wait, wait, wait. So tell me, wait. so you mean... You liked to read what you wanted to read, but it had nothing to do necessarily with what the assignment was or what the teacher was telling you to read. That's 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 a that's a fair statement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you? What kind of reading did you like the most? Science was your first book that you read without pictures. Yeah, exactly. So okay. <laughs> uh, actually, a lot of uh, science and pro looking back on it, the best science fiction has very little to do with technology. And it has a lot to do with, I think maybe today we'd call it speculative uh, fiction. Uh, so it's about society. How is society, uh, what might society look like in the future if certain trends continue the way they are? Or how might technology impact uh, society? And that was absolutely fascinating uh, for me. Uh, you know, I'm not a sociologist, or, uh, and I had hoped to be a scientist, actually. Is that right? Yeah, I actually when I uh, so I'm going to jump ahead here, but yeah, sure. when I uh, I first went to university, uh, Penn State University College of Science School of Botany, which is plant science, but today I think they lump that all together and call it biotech, okay, because it sounds cooler. And I finally came to grips with the fact that my mathematical capability wasn't really up to uh, up to what the university was expecting, okay, because um, it's applied basically it's a applied biochemistry. And applied biochemistry uh, has a, a lot of math, much more than I anticipated there would be. And I had my my math professor actually took me aside once and said, "Hey," he said, "Roger, <laughs> I noticed you're you're struggling with some of this." And he said, "No this is problem." Your first, your first year? Yeah, my first okay. year. First he, year said, okay. he said, "Yeah, it's no problem." He said, "Yep, my door is open. You come in." And I said, "I'll I will personally help you anytime you want." However. One thing you should be aware of, Mr. Marshall, is we haven't even got close to the challenging stuff yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, okay, that's, that's a pretty clear message. Yeah. Would you change to, would you switch to? Uh, what I did, and this is going back to an area that you're familiar with, this was in the late 60s, Vietnam War was escalating, and That's right. yes, yes, and there was uh, involuntary draft in the U.S. You got caught in that too, because it, it it stopped two years or three years after my draft. You got the draft notice. I didn't get a draft notice, but I could see it coming. I, I could see because I at that point I felt I needed to take a, at least one semester off from university and kind of rethink things. I see. Then it would have come, for sure. And I'm pretty sure that, that, that would have put me at high risk. Right. Because yeah. I think during your time, you could have a college deferment. Yes, exactly. See, so you're, you're, you've beat me by a couple of years then. Uh, probably, yeah. I'm, I'm a few years older than you are. Okay, all right. Yeah. Because I was, there was no deferment when I, when I went in. Oh, really? I went in 71. Okay, yeah. There so was I, no I, would have, I, was, I was class of 70 Penn State. So okay. I, I went 66. I graduated from high school in 70. Okay, so we're four years apart. So yeah. We're four years apart. Yeah. So I graduated yeah. at 70 and actually got my draft notice in 71. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. bingo, yes. Yeah. My first yeah. year in college. Yeah. So I enlisted because right. I did not want to go to Well, Nile. that's what I ended up doing then is uh, I thought there were, in those days, if we think way back, uh, there were probably a number of options or potential options. One was just sit there and get drafted, uh, which I thought was probably not a great idea because it was the army only in those days was right. doing the drafting. That's, that's the only thing you could be drafted into, that's right. Yeah, and basically to be pretty crude about it, essentially what you'd get drafted, they'd give you a, a short training period, how do you catch bullets in the jungle, in M16? And, then send, and then send you out to the jungle to, to be fodder. Yeah, to, to catch that's right. bullets. That's right. And I thought, that's probably not a great career path. Yeah. 
Well, you also had the other option that was real popular. It was called Canada. <laughs> right. Uh, it, was, it was the country of the month, whatever. Right. It was at various times. It was Canada. It was Sweden. It was Denmark. So it, it was Mexico, whatever. Yeah, what, whatever. That's and right. I thought, that's probably not really what I should be doing either. Right. Uh, and then um, actually someone a few years older than I said, well, listen, he said, you know, you could... He said, this is something a lot of people don't think of, because you want to avoid the military, which I certainly wanted to avoid. All of us did, I think. We sure did by that time. But um, if, you, if you need time off from university, which is, he said, that's a fair thing. Uh, and if you don't want to, uh, you don't want to get drafted for sure, and you don't want to, you know, get off to whatever the country is that you're, you're, you're going to run away to, he said, then... How about volunteering, which is enlisting? Which no one had thought about. <laughs> and I said, well, why in the world would I do that? I said, well, the, uh, the answer to that is, you know, when you're 18 years old or 19 years old, two years versus four years, if, you, if, you're, if you're drafted, it's two years, but you may come back dead. You, you, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> okay. You're, you may not come back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if you volunteer, it's four years. And when you're 18 years old or 19 years old, four years sounds like forever. But, but if you're even partially intelligent, you can figure out how to stay away from the war zone <laughs> if you enlist. If you get drafted, maybe you can't. So what I did is I went to talk, well, actually I did something else which I don't like to talk about a lot. Um, okay. Involved the Army. The Army, I, I was very interested in aviation. Aviation, okay. Now, had you, wait, let me ask you this. Yeah. Had your father ever been, did he do World War II? He was World War II. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, was a tank. Oh, so he was Army, tanks. too. He was Army. I think he probably got drafted in, yeah. you know, World War II was but drafted. No, but that, that was the war that people wanted to be in. Yeah, So yeah, they exactly. went in. They would lie yeah. about their age at 16, and they would exactly. take them in. And he was, uh, he, was, uh, he, was, he was in a tank unit in, I think, in the U.K., actually. Oh, he was in the U.K.? yeah. 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 So he didn't ever have to go to really fight. I don't think so. I mean, he was okay. in bombings. I mean, being bombed. Oh, yeah, but he course, wasn't course, in the yeah. front line. But oh, he wasn't were, front line. Yeah. Right. But he wasn't in front lines. Yeah, because yeah. my father was in Germany. He fought in okay. Germany. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, I didn't necessarily want to father, follow what my father was doing, nor did I want Same to be here. in the yeah or, or be in the army. But 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 okay. Lance. Okay. The army had this insidious offer. Um. Well, son, you'd like to be a helicopter pilot? Oh, we have a deal for you. We'll ma instantly make you a helicopter pilot and a warrant officer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was thinking, wow, I could be an officer and a helicopter pilot and I'm 19 years old? <gasps> wow. How cool can that be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, oh, my other, the other part of my... My logic was pretty solid, but okay. when they waved that in front of me, I'm going, oh my God, I can be a helicopter pilot. <gasps> but oh just with goodness. four years enlistment? I think so, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so I, I talked to the Army guy, and he goes, oh, he was so excited. He was going to sign me up on the spot. All right. And then he, we talked about everything. He said, yeah, yeah, boy, you can. It's so cool to be a helicopter pilot. You know, when you train you, send you to whatever it is in Florida or somewhere, and you'll be trained uh, to fly helicopters, Hueys, and... <laughs> That's <laughs> all you'd be flying. Yes, right, <laughs> yes. And you instantly become an officer, and the other guy goes, wow, tell me more. And then he goes, okay, we'll sign you up here. And he said, so let's see, hair is brown, eyes are blue, how tall are you? I said, 5'2", five, uh, five and he goes, no, you're not. You see, you're taller than that, aren't you? said, no, I'm 5'2". If I stretch it, I'm 5'2", because I'm, you know, I'm pretty short. And he goes, oh. That's right, Dad. That's right. Yeah. And then we talked about that a lot. And he goes, do you think we could maybe call you 5'4"? I said, well, you could call me 5'4", but I'm not 5'4". <laughs> Why? And he said, oh. He said, you know, they can only adjust the controls. If you're, if you're, it was between, f I think, yeah, maybe a little bit off. I think it was between five feet four inches at the low end and six feet two inches at the high end. Mm -hmm. And if you're too tall or too short, can they, they can't adjust the, adjust the controls enough. And at the end, he, I mean, he looked sadder than I was because he, he really was going to be his quota for the month, right? right, right, right. <laughs> and he said, ah, "I said, can we can we sign you up for something else than a helicopter pilot?" No. 
<laughs> I want to be a helicopter pilot. <laughs> so, and I, it was only a few years later I found out how lucky I was. Right, 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 of course, yeah. of course. So then, immediately went to the Air Force. You were in the Air Force? No, I okay. talked to the Air Force. Okay, right. And the Air Force was like the most popular thing. Because but there the was a waiting list. There but was the a waiting list a year. They said, there's a year and a half waiting list to get in the Air Force. I said, great, sign me up. I'll be <laughs> safe from the. Uh, oh, well, little detail here. Being on the waiting list does not protect you from the draft. The Army could get you tomorrow morning. That, well, okay, that's not an option then. <laughs> However, I know you're Air Force, but naval aviation, pff, Navy pilots can't be beat. So I talked to the Navy, and I ended up going to the Navy. You went into the Navy? I was, I was enlisted in the Navy, and they guaranteed me aviation, and um, you and I both took all the, whatever the military tests were that shows, right. essentially yeah, equated IQ and, right, right, exactly. and so on, and I said, yeah, well, your scores, you know, you basically, what do you want to do? You, you can't fly because you have to be an officer when you're enlisting, That's but right, right, right. other than flying, you know, tell us what you want to do. And then they selected me for air traffic control, which I hadn't thought of, but they, and I thought, okay, that sounds pretty good. And that's what I ended up doing. So you're air traffic controller? I was, yeah. Oh, and then, of course, being from, you know, snow country, okay. they said, well, you know, you can go to, and I was, I signed up in, I think it was October or November, November said, so you, you can do your basic training at Great Lakes, which is uh, like super cold in the winter. Or if you want to, it's a bit far away. You, you go to San Diego, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> okay, <laughs> there's no choice on the San Diego. Then we did basic training in San Diego and then the, um, the training to, to actually become, yeah, right. to actually get qualified as an air traffic controller was in uh, southern Georgia, Glynn County, Georgia. That essentially what it was, it was training to get the FAA license, because even as a military uh, controller, we still needed to have the FAA license. Mm -hmm. And that was a six-month training program. And they didn't tell us this until graduation, but on graduation day, I mean, you've been in the military, you know, there's a reason they say military orders, you get a, an assignment where That's you're right. going to go, yes. and it's called an order because you don't argue, but your name's on you it, no and choice, you no. go there, right? Right. Aha. This school, on graduation day, there were, I think there were 40, 40 people in each graduating class, and on graduation day, 40 sets of assignments came in from Washington with no names on them. And choose by class standing. Cla you know, number number one in the class gets 40 choices. You, is that how, I've never heard of that no. before. Uh, even in the Navy. Wait, I have never ever no, heard of that No, this was before. the only school that I know of in the Navy even where they did that. That was normal practice. This wasn't for, just a fluke for that no, time. No, no, for that, for that particular school, the, the air traffic control, what they were calling A school, you call it tech school, right. and, you know, it was the A school. Okay. Uh, that was what they did, but they didn't tell us that until graduation day. Okay. I mean, I would have probably studied a so little bit harder. harder okay. Because right? what, 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 I mean, where were So you? there were two billets in Hawaii. Okay. Barbers Point, Hawaii. Boom, right. boom. Boom. They, of yeah. course. First thing yeah. they took. Yeah. I mean, those guys would be idiots not to take it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there were a number of places in Europe, and there were a surprising <laughs> number of places uh, in continental U.S., which I thought wait a minute, I don't want to be in the military. I have to be in the military. Why would I want to stay in the U.S. if I have a chance to go somewhere else? My mother was born in Germany and emigrated to the U.S. Okay. Uh, and I'm kind of East Coast. Not okay. exactly, but kind of you know, Northeast East Coast. Okay. Tell so, me about Dad, though. Where's Dad from? Uh, he was from Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, how many generations? Come on. You don't go back that far? No, but uh, probably three okay. or four anyhow. Okay. Yeah. Did, you, did you know your grandparents? I, they died when I was fairly young, but okay. I do remember vaguely. But who's vaguely side? Who's side? Huh? Who's oh, my side? father's side. My, my, my mother's side, yeah. Your mother's side, yeah, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. Very well. They were in Philadelphia. Uh, right. Germans. Right. Germans immigrated to the okay. U.S. Right. Uh, of course, right. they go to Philadelphia. Right. Uh, and that's where my mother, so my mother was seven years old, I think. 
when she emigrated to the U.S. Okay. and grew up in Philadelphia, right. and then married my father, and they moved to Erie. Uh, but um, so anyway, so you're talking about you you got your orders. Oh yeah. You so 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 somehow Europe felt kind of relatively close to home. There were other billets around the world, some places that nobody would want to go to. I'm this you know Wake Island in the middle this pile of guano in the middle of the <laughs> Pacific nowhere and a bunch of ships and I even though I was in the Navy I didn't want to go on a ship right, so right, right. Uh, but Japan was one of the options that was available for me in 1968 and to go back to reading books and I said the first non-picture book I read sci-fi sci-fi but a, maybe when I was maybe five years old, I was still reading picture books, and we had this picture book called The Mikado. Mikado. About, and it was, you know, like, I don't know, 10 pages or something mm -hmm, with pictures mm -hmm. on them, and it was about Japan. And I remember being enormously fascinated with, you know, it was all the caricatures of Japan, you know, the cherry blossoms, that's right, that's right. women in kimono, and the one that really caught my attention the walls of the houses are made of paper, so when there's earthquakes and the walls fall down, nobody gets hurt. <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah, I mean, totally true as we know. <laughs> I was like, wow, I've got to go see this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so it always stuck in your mind. It that really stuck in my mind. I thought, oh, plus, plus one. One of the summers I was working, you know, doing a summer job somewhere, and one of the guys who was like four or five years older than I was had been in the Navy, and he was in Yokosuka for a few years. I think he was the Admiral's driver or something. Okay. And, and he, he said, told you all and he stories. told me, he said, if you ever have a chance to go to Japan, you gotta go. You'd be an idiot not to go. That, plus remembering the paper walls on the houses. Here I am. No here brainer. I am. No brainer. <laughs> so right. you actually took the orders to come here. Yeah. In 68. 68. So June 4th, 1968, I first arrived in Japan. We arrived at uh, Tachikawa Air Base, which is no longer there. That's why I got my first orders were to Tachikawa. Okay. And it was being closed down, so they had to rewrite my orders. They gave me a month leave in Japan, paid by Uncle Sam. Then they rewrote my orders to put me at Dakota. <laughs> and you know, ironically, I have to tell my little story. I had put in for Vietnam. I mean, when I came back okay. from, from two years in Japan, and then they were going to put me on a, on a ship out of, uh, out of uh, Louisiana, out of, uh, you know, which probably wouldn't have been too bad. This wouldn't have been. But I didn't want to be on a ship, so I right. said same thing. I, I left Europe out of it. I right. said anywhere in Asia or anywhere on the West Coast. Right. You know? That's how it is. So yeah. you have to do the dream sheet, right. so you know yeah. about that. So yeah. I did that. So they came back and I'm so sorry we can't give you Vietnam. Your career field's filled up. <sighs> they said, but you can get Japan. I said, but there's other bad news. You don't have enough time. I said, what? So I'm thinking, you're gonna ask me for another for you. I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. They said, I said, so what can I do? They said, you need two years, mm. but you only have a year and four months. I said, well, they said, you can extend. Huh? And not re-up, but for extend. Extend for eight more months to have the full two years. In Japan. So I had four years, eight months in the Air Force. <laughs> so anyhow, so I, I okay, landed in Tachikawa, okay. took a, right. and they put us all on a bus and took us down to Atsugi, where I was, Naval Air Station Atsugi, uh, right. outside of Yokohama, right. in Kanagawa Ken. And I was there for two years. And you had to extend to do this? No. Okay. Oh, no. I mean, that was my first, that was that was first, my, that was my first assignment uh, after, first after school. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and that was a two-year assignment, and I was... There I worked in the control tower there. There were some interesting things happened. I mean, not so good interesting things happened while I was there that are fairly historical. One, uh, the spy ship Pueblo, if you remember that, that was, that was actually from a very tiny, very secret base, probably about 20 minutes away from Atsugi, that if you drive onto the base, there's, not, there's a few few low-rise buildings and kind of a field and some antennas and that's it. Everything was underground. This was all the, the crypto stuff you were talking about. And some of those guys, we, and they, none of them had a security or crypto badge on their arm. Oh, they were, they no, they, they were all Black uh, what we call the, the weather, weather guessers. Okay, they, wait, wait. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were weather forecasters. Okay. Every one of them. That's what they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we, 
got to know some of those guys because we'd all be out drinking at the same bars and so on, right? And Pueblo got got captured by the North Koreans. And not too long after, I think that was the first thing, not too long after that, was the, the EC-121 that got shot down. Oh. And I actually, uh, they, that crew filed their flight plan with me that morning. And because and I, I was on, we, we were, I mean, it was a 24-hour thing, so we'd work uh, shifts, or what they called watches, where we do like a, a day, you know, from like eight to four, and then you're off and then come back at midnight and work until mm-hmm. eight the next morning, and then there was another, like the, the one in between, the evening one, and then you're off for three days type of thing. And I was just coming off the night watch and had gone from the tower down, from upstairs down to the, um, where they were, the fi- uh, flight plans were being filed. And the crew came, and they came in every day. It was always the same flight same plan. Is, yeah. You know, uh, green one, and they had, you know, uh, off to wherever, and then out of controlled airspace for 12 hours, and then back in and get vectored back in. And we had the EC-121s, and then they had uh, EA-3Bs, right. which were converted bombers. And they had a crew of f- four or six. Okay. Uh, the old bomb bays were taken out, and they had uh, watching, you know, stations, the electronic stations right, in, you know, in there. Right. And they all flight, uh, 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 had the same flight plan, off to a certain vector, and then out of controlled airspace for, I think, with the... <laughs> The A3s, it was maybe eight hours, and for the EC-121s, it was 12 hours out of controlled airspace. Wow. And when, and then when I came back that evening, I think it was for the, yeah, the four o'clock to midnight uh, watch, coming on base, all of a sudden it was like, security was like unbelievable. You know, you usually just drive in, you got a sticker right, on the car right. and right. You know, yeah. show your ID and boom, you're in. Oh, no, they checked everything. And why are you coming on base? And where were you? And so, for fuck, like, you know, I'm just... Which I'm one was this, the Pueblo? Because of the Pueblo? Which one? The EC-121. This one that was... T- oh, cow. Yeah. And then, I mean, so that, that was set because it was, what, 32 people or something died on that? Well, how could 31 people, wait. Because EC-121 was the old Super Connie. Oh, that's right, that's yeah, right, Yeah, they had the, you know, the, the, the triple, triple vertical stabilizers yes, yes, on the back. Yes, yes. Yeah, so that, that was the old, that was, that was the premier uh, airliner just before the 707s came out, right, before right. jets. So it was the last right. reciprocating right, uh, aircraft. Right, right. And they had that thing fitted out, you know, just bristling with electronics. <laughs> uh, and uh, again, got shot down by a North Korean MiG. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, uh, so, but other than that, um, we spent a lot of time down in Hayama on the beach, Indeed. and lived in Yokohama, right. and uh, had a had a pretty good time right. here. And then went back, went to uh, another school, and then. Supposed to, it was due for sea duty, and uh, they had me on this ship out of uh, out of Louisiana, and I so I called up Washington, called up the detailer, and said, you know, I, I realize I have to have sea duty, but could I be could I be based out of? I mean, Japan would be great if you can't do that, which I understand. How about Taiwan or the Philippines or anywhere in, in Asia Pacific? If you can't do that, to your point, West Coast. And the guy goes, eh, I don't know, I don't think, there's nothing here. And then he goes, oh, he said, wait a minute. He said, this isn't a ship, but it counts as sea duty. And I go, oh, that sounds good. What is it? San Clemente Island, <laughs> off the coast, 60 <laughs> miles sixty miles off the coast of yeah. San Clemente, Southern California. Right, technically, that's right. Yeah, and it's an island. And it's owned by the Navy. And that's they have right. a, I, said, I said, what do you think about that? I said, done, I'll take it. <laughs> so how long were you there? Year, your last that, you year, that was my last. Uh, basically, it was a four-year, a four-year uh, duty, right? I mean, the whole Navy thing signed right, up for four, sure, years. Yeah, four years. But and by the time I'd gone through school, so two years in Japan, and it was a little bit over a year, almost a year and a half, mm-hmm. uh, on the island. 
So you only spent four years in the service. As a matter of fact, slightly less because by the time <laughs> in 71, by that, by that time, actually, I don't know why they were drafting you in 71. That's when they, they sure did. That's when because they in 71, they, they, they were actually saying, oh, you know, if, if you, we can do two things. Either you can sign up for another four years and we'll give you an immediate promotion, or you probably won't like this, but you could get out like two or three months early. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. No, they were taking people in because that's when we had our biggest casualties. That's when uh, we were yeah, pushing the right, army, the, yeah, the helicopters, yeah. we, we were losing. Yeah, yeah. And they wanted people, especially in civil engineering, just to maintain the bases we had. So I thought going there, I didn't think it would still be a big risk for me. I'd be on an Air Force base, very difficult to get to an Air Force base. And I'm thinking that. And, you know, I'd be the first in, first out. You know, I didn't think it'd yeah, be a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's why I put in for Vietnam, right, but right. I got Japan. Yeah. This is good. So anyway, so when you got out the service, did you have plans? Did you have any, did, wait, did you have any desire to stay in? In, in the military? In the military. Uh, approximately zero. <laughs> like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> although, did very, they, although a very good friend of mine who's actually coming back to Jimmy's going to stay at my house in Shimoda for about, 10 days or so uh, in April, he ended up staying in and he retired after 20 years as a lieutenant commander right, in the yeah. Navy, which is, yeah, yes. so he'd be like lieutenant colonel. Lieutenant colonel, okay. yeah. But he, right. you know, he was enlisted like me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that's, but, you know, yeah. everyone would do that. Yeah. Didn't they keep on trying to, they kept on trying to get me to go to officer's training school, OTS, and finish my degree, come in as a captain. Yeah. Because yeah. I wouldn't have to worry about being a lieutenant because I already right. had military time. I'd come right. in as a captain. I mean, I mean, continue as a captain once I got out of military school and then possibly go in. I thought about it, but I didn't think about it. Yeah, yeah. And when I got out, I decided you know, I was going to get out and go back to university. I wasn't going to stay in and go to university. I was going to get out and go to university. Wait, but you hadn't finished? No, I only spent one year. So, so after my first ah, year, I decided, oh, yeah, right, to, right, to I, I wanted right. to take a semester off and gotcha. realized that I would be at huge risk of the Army grabbing me. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I only did one year at Penn State. And then you had the GI Bill and everything. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. So then I thought, well, this is the official story anyhow. Okay. Okay. The, official the official story, story. Okay. The official story is uh, I'd come back to Japan. I wanted to see Japan as a student rather than as a military person. So I do one or two years as a student here. Mother from Germany, so I'd probably, you know, eventually end up doing the obligatory hitchhike through Europe for a year or two and then see what happened. And what did happen is mm -hmm. I, ended, I got into university here at, at Sophia University and ended up staying through graduation and then getting a job and here I am. You met Mickey? I met Mickey quite a, quite a bit late. Later, yeah, because yeah. I met you then. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. Yes, because that's when you guys were living over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the yeah. apartment over yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So yes. wow. I. So wait, wait. So when did we meet? we had to meet? You weren't long out of the service when I met you. No, I, I, I was out in seventy one. You. That's when I came in. So yes. yeah. So, so I was out in because I came here in seventy four and got out in seventy six. But you and I didn't meet. Until, until 84, I think. 83 or 84. That's really? when we went, Bob, because I don't think we knew each other before that, oh, that okay, Bob maybe White not. thing. Yeah. That's right. I think yeah. you're right. And that was, I think it was 84. It was before I got married, because I got married in 86. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it was 84. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. That's so good. Still, though, 84, that's 39 years ago. <sighs> Lance. Man. I came back in so I remember the dates I mean June 4th 1968 when I first got to Japan right. and then uh, September 20th 1971 uh, when I came back to Japan and a became a student okay would you graduate with from Joji business because that's all well, no, actually well it was um, in those days they were calling that uh, I think Asian studies. So it was basically, Lance, anything that didn't require much math. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, for okay, me, okay, for okay, me, okay. Though, that was the thing, right? <laughs> but it was a degree, nevertheless. Yeah. Okay. And of course, I, I, took, I took math courses and I okay. passed them and I did okay, but right, right. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the advanced math that was required right. for applied right. biochemistry. And that's when you had the, the um, auxiliary campus, the one over there by the TV station. That was that's later. When I first was there, that's we, where you went. We were, on the, we were on the main campus. How could you, what? Yeah. That's before they did? Yeah. 
Was so, that right? Yeah, There's it was only the one? last year I was there that they moved the campus over. The, for the foreigners? Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah, but the, for the first three years I was there, first whatever few years I was there, it was on the main campus. Cause I think they on the Yotsuya campus. Right, Yotsuya campus. Because yeah. I think they moved over there, Asahi TV or something was next to it. Right, and then eventually they moved that they're back, back again. That's yeah. where Lance went there. Lance okay. and Lonnie went to yeah. the main campus. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was, I was at the main campus, yeah. Is that right? Except for the last one or two semesters. Okay. Yeah. And then you, did you ever go back to the States to live at no. all? No. No, I've traveled extensively at one point. Uh, you probably know this. At, at one point, I was commuting monthly to Silicon Valley from from Tokyo, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and those that was quite a bit later. That was in the mid mid nineties, mid to late nineties, up mm -hmm. until you know two thousand one or two thousand two, mm -hmm. two thousand three, somewhere around there. I was commuting monthly to Silicon Valley, uh, and I was on our on our own firm's uh, board. So I was in Europe at least once or twice a year. I was in San Francisco, you know, 10 to 12 times a year. I was in then Korea sometimes almost every week and then in other parts of Asia. So I, I, I had a period where I was living on airplanes. All the time. And, and hotel food, yeah. And I'm really glad I'm not doing that now. I know. But yeah. it's, it's glamorous the first year or two, and then yeah. after that it yeah. gets old real quick? Very quick, yeah. How'd you get into the field that you got into? Let's get into that okay. a little bit. Okay, now you <coughs> finished your education at Sophia. Had you been working at any time while you were in Sophia? Yeah, so when I was at Sophia, you know. You used I the mean, GI Bill, didn't you? I did, of okay. course. All yes. right. I mean, of course I, well, yeah. I had it. I was going to use it. Away, of course. Yeah. All right. um, like everybody else, from time to time I taught English Okay. Uh, conversation. Because that was easy and good money, too. Yeah. And then um, one of one of my f former bosses in the Navy, he had retired uh, in San Diego, I think, and he, he was doing something with Laverne College, which today they call La Laverne University, which okay. sounds kind of over the top for me, but it was a small private college on the West Coast, and they had a contract with the uh, U.S. Department of Defense for... Um, Education primarily of military people, but also anybody under the DOD um, uh, who was who you know, overseas under DOD. And this was a college preparatory uh, education. So people who either they hadn't graduated from high school and needed to get a degree, oh, or they had graduated, but they needed some refresher work to get into university. And so this was a program, and they wanted to set that up in Japan. So mm -hmm. they actually hired me while I was a student to run that program. Uh, so I was. Were you, were you a junior? What were you? Sophomore? Senior? I was. No, I, I did it for like two years, I think. So it was okay. probably. Your junior year, maybe? Junior, maybe, yeah. <laughs> the catch on that was that these were set up on military bases, and I had never wanted to go onto a military base again in my <laughs> again, life. Again, in your life, yeah. But you there know. I was back at Atsugi, right. basically. Okay. And uh, what was it? Wait, let's get yeah. into that a little yeah. bit because I wonder if we had the same emotional feeling about that. Why didn't you want to go back to a military base again? What was the feeling that you? I'd never wanted you? to be in the military. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> to begin with, right. and I did it, and it was you know it was it turned out to be a good experience. It was a very good experience. I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed the thing. Yeah, very good experience. Um, but I had never thought of myself as a military person, and still right. don't think of myself as a military person. And <laughs> you know and. Um, why would I want to go back and be on a military base, yeah. basically? My Not that I hated it. Right. But it just, I mean, that was, it was part of my past, and I thought it would we'll be good keep to keep it, it as part of, the, part of my past, yeah. <laughs> While I was still undergraduate at Sophia, uh, Laverne said, why don't you take some advanced uh, courses in education and so on as well, which I did. And I was thinking, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you not necessarily be a professor, <laughs> Lance, but, you know, um, maybe be an admin, you know, a, a university administrator right. and, uh, you know, an education, some professional right. educator right. in right. one right. way or another. And I was thinking that, you know, I've kind of got some momentum going in that direction. Why not? And of course, just as I was graduating, so 70, 74, I finished all the classwork, uh, but they didn't actually do graduation until 75, just because because it's a Japanese university. Okay, so, okay, yeah, okay, right. okay, okay. <laughs> so, right. uh, and then, of course, that's when the U.S. gloriously pulled out of Vietnam. That's right. And programs were being cut everywhere. 
and some of the you know, DOD budgeting was going down and everything, one of the first things to be cut was education. Mm. So Laverne College decided as long as the Department of Defense, uh, the money they were getting from the Department of Defense was going to be slashed dramatically that they probably didn't want to be part of the program anymore because that wasn't the only thing they did. It was just one program they had. And so they, they pulled out of that program and there wasn't anything else to go to immediately. And I was just an undergrad, so I, I didn't have a, a, a master's or a PhD to go somewhere else. Um, so I decided I had to look for a job. And in those days, of course, we still had newspapers and had the, uh, what is it, the classified ads right, every Monday, right, right. sometimes three or four pages That's of those. Right. I was right. looking through and there was one that had come up for a, a business training school for Japanese businessmen. Now, did you have an apartment? I mean, how, were you, how was, what were your living standards then? Were you living by yourself or did you have a buddy you were living with? I actually had a wife. You had already, wait. I had another wife. Okay. Yeah, my, my first wife. You've been married twice? Yes. Okay. Only twice. But do you have do you have no. kids from her? No, no. Okay, how long were you married to her? Quite a long time, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah, 14 okay. years. Wait, 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 wait. So you were married to while you were... Yeah, well, so I... Uh, 2000... No, 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 not 2020. 1970. Okay. So you married before you got in the service? No, no, just no, no, no. I was okay. a Japanese wife, actually. Oh, Japanese? Okay. Yeah. So I'd met her while I was here my first two years, and then I, when I was in California, then I flew back about halfway through being in California okay. uh, for a couple of weeks, got married, right. and then went back. So she's from Tokyo? She's from Tokyo, yeah. Okay, yeah. And um, the whole story we'll talk about some other time. Some other time. Uh, that'd, be the, that, yeah. that'd be your second time coming on. <laughs> you can talk about that. <laughs> but, um, so you married for 17 years? 14. 14, 14, 14 years. 14 years. But of those four years, we were separated. I understand. So um, technically, I was married. For, okay. So we were actually together for 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Originally, I was living in Yokohama, because okay. that's where I had been living before I went to the, went mm -hmm. to the US, mm -hmm. uh, and came back and worked. And then when I got this job with Laverne College, uh, they wanted to set that up on uh, Naval Air Station at Sugi, mm -hmm. which is you know about an hour outside of Yokohama. So we actually moved out near there. In, and technically, I was living in uh, Fujisawa, Fujisawa City. Um, and then, so I, I had, I mean, and living in the country, you get a, oh, you, huge know, house, yeah. you get a, a much bigger house for that's right, that's less, right. less than I was paying for a small apartment in Yokohama. I had a yeah. relatively larger house, you know, uh, there. Uh, so then, so I, I saw, so I saw these, these ads, you know, and I noticed that the, the number to call on the ad was also, because I was looking at a lot of stuff, that the, the number for that happened to be the same telephone number as a recruiting company. Uh, so I thought, okay, so this recruiting company is advertising for this. So I called them up and they said, yeah, come in and talk. And we went in and talked with them. And uh, then they said, well, actually, it's not a client. It's actually us that are setting up uh, a training school. F this was again in seven, you know, mid seventies, right? So Japanese corporations were just at the point where they're starting to send more and more kind of mid-level Japanese into their subsidiaries around the world, and uh, this was to kind of train some of them before they got their assignment to go to wherever it was going to be. It turned out it wasn't an existing school, it was something they were still in the process of setting up. So they hired me to work on it and I worked for a number of months. To help set it up. Yeah, to you know, work on curriculum and so on. And then suddenly it was, oh, we've just decided it's not going to be a business school, now it's going to be a secretary school. So we have a secretary uh, sciences professional who's done this for years, she's going to come in and, and do it. So we'll transfer you into recruiting. I don't even know what recruiting is. I have no idea. Not a clue. And I worked there for, for a number of years okay. and then realized that it was a, it really wasn't a good place. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah, just, I'm, I'm not going to mention the name of the okay, company, right. okay. but it was a place that the main things I think I learned was um, 
what not to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, ethics yeah. and so right. on were, right. nobody knew how to spell it there. Okay. Essentially. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great learning experience. And then, um, then a couple other guys and myself set up a small company. These are all foreigners or Japanese? One of them was Japanese. There was me, an American, there was a European, and there was a Japanese. Whose idea? It was one of the guys I was working with okay. uh, who also thought, time to pull the ripcord and get out of this place. And they started talking to you and yeah. you said, hey, said, what, what, what do you say if we do this? And then the Japanese turned out, uh, there was a, a second Japanese who uh, said, I know somebody who might become kind of your investor on this. And that, so we had set up this, and the issue there was we were actually doing reasonably good business. It was very small, but the Japanese investor was a retired government employee who had unfortunately had a son who had never worked anywhere, and they'd spoiled to death. And once the business started to take off and go well, the investor said, I think I think my son would be the perfect president for this company now that it's beginning to go well. And what year was this? This was in after eighty one. Because I think, 82. but he, how long did he stay with you? How long was he doing it? Because I think I kind of remember. Yeah, you, you kind of remember him. hearing this story. Yeah, you tell yeah. me about no, not hearing the story, but you tell me about him. I think you were in the midst of it then. Oh, well, no, <laughs> actually, because in eighty, this went from middle 84? of eighty one until maybe mid eighty three, so but yeah, okay. a little bit over two years, okay, right. and then. Then the investor just said, well, we're going to make my son the president. Right. And uh, that's when the whole thing just fell apart. Right. He said, well, <laughs> if he could be president of whatever he wants to be president of, <laughs> yeah, but not, not with us. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the European went off and did something, and then okay. I ended up going into uh, KPMG. Okay. Uh, right. Which was, at, and that story was, at that point, I was thinking, KPMG, that's a bunch of that's accountants, right. and mm -hmm. I don't want to work for a bunch of accountants. With, with when I worked with uh, what then became KPMG on the consulting side from 83 to 89, through 89, yeah. Then you knew Paul Penrose? Paul was my boss. Paul and I were tight. Yeah, and I know. You were his trainer at one yeah, point. Yeah, sure was. Paul yeah. and I were very tight. I really yeah. like Paul. Paul and Barbara. And his, and his yeah. wife, ba Barbara, yeah. that wrote, yeah. wrote for the Japan The Times. Barbara. The Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> right. She was like, do you, you've been to his home? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we probably crossed every now and then. We cool, may His yeah. driver's right there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right inside his door. Yeah. We came there. He took me yeah. in there. He was really nice with me. And he was right by the Emperor's son's palace right there on... Neon look, I guess it's two four six. I think it was. Or were they the office? By, was, right? by by right down the street from um, Aoyama Twin Towers before the towers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So hey, that's, that's, yeah, that's where so his that's, office. That's you could where, look over. Yes, I know. And but so that's where all the auditors and tax people, and then the uh, <laughs> consulting, uh, all the consulting people were that's over right. in Hibia, Hibia City. Because right. he took me, in, he took me, he showed me the whole office, and I looked at this one room, and all these Macintoshes. I laughed so hard. <laughs> Yeah. That was portable, so, but that so was... Paul was the guy who hired me, yeah, and he was my boss. He was, he was my boss. Is he still around? Or he must have passed by now, maybe. He may have. He, he, went, he, he went to the U.S., and he, uh, like, I mean, of course, he was an auditor and tax guy, so he knew. So he set up a company, he and some other people set up a company in Texas, mm -hmm. even though he was from California, right. set up an office in Texas because of tax purposes. And they had, they had started up a business... Uh, that people were just dying to get into, the funeral business. <laughs> but there you go. Can't lose them that. No. And, uh, but I, we, we lost contact. Lost contact, yeah, yes. We lost contact. But he was such a good guy. He was, he was a good he guy. He was just a straight shooter. Yeah. He was yeah. the type of person. Paul was great. Paul was great. Always straight up. And yeah. there's a little bit of story behind that. When I was still in this little company that, um, that a couple of guys had set up, um, was that one of the, you know when the ACCJ used to have really big meetings, right? Uh, lunch meetings, and I don't even remember who was there, but I was sitting at this table, and Paul, who I didn't know then, was sitting next to me, and some other guy from uh, KPMG was sitting next to him, and we, you know, I just I had no idea who they were. Just talked a whole bunch, and it turns out that the guy sitting next to Paul was the global chairman who was visiting from New York. And Paul had taken him to this, this lunch meeting. And evidently, I had completely forgotten about that. So I went, when Paul was interviewing me, 
uh, I started to explain to him. I says, I says, will you, don't you remember? Said, Paul saying that to you? Yeah. You're right. He said, yeah. The, he said, the chairman and I were very impressed with you. I was thinking, well, really? Who was the chairman? When was this? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that does that. <laughs> <laughs> it was important to them, but you were just, yeah, hey, that's what yeah. I do. I was just being myself. That's right. Yeah. And that in that particular case, it doesn't always work out that, in that particular case, being myself worked out okay. Sure did. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. So then, so I went in and... Um, there was a small part of consulting. Uh, there were a whole bunch of divisions in consulting. One of them was actually doing executive search. And, that, and it was almost invisible, and it hadn't grown in years, and that's why Paul brought me in. And uh, the tricky thing about that was I wasn't brought in clearly as the managing director. There was another guy who had already been a managing director, so he came in, I came in next to him, a Japanese guy. And that guy had come out of, I think, one of the big Japanese technology companies, and, but he'd been there several years in KPMG. So he knew how large corporate politics worked. I had no idea. I'd been in a couple small companies, and I had not a clue. And I'm, you know, I'm an innocent country boy from, you know, from the Great Lakes. So after a number of years, uh, I, I he just outpoliticked me all to pieces. Oh really? Yeah. And he was at the right places, the right times. He made sure his face was he seen. He knew how to. He knew how. How do you, you know? if you want to put it crudely, lick the boots. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he was a bootlicker, okay. Uh, and during the first two years I was there, I think, or two and a half years, um, you could say I was, I was quite lucky, but revenues tripled. And they hadn't, they hadn't budged in the previous five years, and I came in and they tripled within the first two and a half years. So there was, may have been a little bit of influence from me. Uh, and I was kind of a star, but I didn't know how to, how to, you know. Capitalize on that stardom. Not internally. I didn't I know see. how to do that. Yeah, yes. And so I was there a total of six, yeah, six years. But the last year was kind of painful and I just said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be out of here. Was Paul still here then? Yeah. So then, so I, it was my six years, almost seven years with, uh, with KPMG KGS. in in Japan, which is amazingly good. Now, looking back on that, that was, one of the, well, as a lot of people say, the two best decisions I've made in my life, one was to join KPMG and the other was to leave KPMG. <laughs> I've uh, heard that before. At, at, the, at the right time. Mm -hmm. uh, and not just KPMG, all, all companies like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I set up my own indi individual consulting and that's when you were coming back and forth to my, my right. place in Roppongi. That's right. Uh, next that's to the right. Singapore Embassy. That's right. And then, um, and while I was doing that... You had that, partners. You had two other partners, didn't you? Not you at that point. It was just me. Just you. Yeah. Okay. But later I had, had actually ended up with a lot of partners. But right. Was Mickey helping you? you got yes. Yeah. She was, she, she was actually working at an investment bank. I think so. Yeah. I think so at yeah. that time. So she, yeah. we'd, we'd set up a incorporated, so we had a Kabushki Gaisha, which we still have. Right. Okay. And then while I was in the process of figuring out, because I, I, I knew just being completely independent on my own, uh, would be fun to begin with, but it wouldn't go anywhere. So I was talking with a number of other independent companies globally, and there was a company in Germany that, uh, and there was, I forget, there were a couple of companies around the world we were talking with them, maybe do a coalition and work together and so on. And just as I was getting close to an agreement with, I think the, the German company, a Japanese guy that I've known for a really long time, he was managing director of a, of a U.S. tech company, but he was in Japan. He'd kind of partially grown up in the U.S., so he was back in the U.S., and he gave me a call and said, hey, I heard you've, you've just recently left uh, KPMG. He said, I'm with this, he said, he said, I've also left the software industry, and I'm with this uh, company called uh, Paul, well, we were called something else then, but Paul Ray, and um, which has evolved into the firm I'm still with, right. and he said, and we don't, we don't have, he said, I'm responsible, he's a Japanese guy in California, I said, I'm responsible for kind of, you know, Japan and Asia business, we don't have any offices anywhere, he said, do you think we could talk with you about you setting up an office for us in Japan? I said, oh, I don't know, I mean, 
again, another thing. I don't know. You know, I I just came out of a of a large global firm, and yeah, it was great experience. But I don't know if I want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started talking, and they um, eventually then oh got me on a phone call with the founding family in the U.S. at that point, uh, the Ray family, uh, with Paul Ray Jr. and who is the CEO. And we had a good talk, and he said, "Listen, why don't we just fly you over and to, a good start. To, to Fort Worth <laughs> and spend a couple of days with us here and yeah. let's talk?" And we met and really hit it off. And then uh, maybe I forget. Shortly thereafter, a few months after that, they said, "Well, you know, we've we've got the European side as well." Um, it was Carre Orban, so it's Paul Ray Carre Orban in those days. He said, and they're in Brussels. They said, let's fly you over to Brussels. We're having a board meeting. Why don't you come over and spend a couple of days with us at the board meeting in Brussels and meet the other partners? And by that point, it was, yeah, okay. So you're, you're yeah. flying me all these places. Yeah, I got to join you. Right, I got to yeah, do this. Yeah. <laughs> I want some more of this. Uh, well, that's good. So how long has it been now? 33 years. 33 years. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, so what I did is I set up the office right, here, right. and there's a whole range of complications over the 33 years, but uh, essentially I ran it for 24 years mm-hmm. and built it and ran it for 24 years, and then nine years ago I turned it over to somebody else to run, uh, which was a wonderful decision. decision because now I don't have to worry about all the day-to-day, you know, the... The PNL and the reporting back to wherever headquarters is, which happens to be London now, rather than Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, all the human resources issues and hiring and firing. If they ask my opinions on it, I'll have some opinions. But if they don't ask my opinion, I don't have to touch it. And during that, during that thirty-three years, thirty-three. Well, twenty-four years I was running it. Yeah. No, but thirty-three years of having it. You have three beautiful kids. Yep. You have a boy, a girl, and a boy. Or is it boy, 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 girl, boy, boy, girl, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful, yeah, because yeah. I remember you coming over to the home with um, your first Eon, yeah, yeah, with him when I lived in Megaro, yes, yeah, yeah. The Megaro house. Are you, you still in Megaro or not? We're still right there, <coughs> you won't believe this, but the house that you came to, yeah, that was Megaro house, right? We moved from there to home at Lilac, which same property, oh, line, yeah, I know that, Lilac. right yeah. there, yeah. Then, which is torn down, they built another thing there. Mm. Then we moved from there to the one that was beside, oh my god. To Chojimaru, to Palace yeah. Royal, Chojimaru. Yeah. yeah. So I live there now. Oh. Can, so you, can you believe that? Boom, boom, boom. So, I mean, it's <laughs> three or four different buildings, but same, same location. Same, same location. Oh, that's fantastic. I loved it. It's a great I've location. It, it a, is. Yeah. I mean, my boys learned how to do everything there. They rode yeah. their bicycles, everything. Yeah, and that's then great. And home at Lilac, when they were taking that down, we lived there for five years by ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Twelve okay. units there, and we were the only ones in there, and I loved it. Well, similar when we were in uh, that's right, that's Shirogane right, Dai, the same thing. we were I there remember. for, I forget exactly how long, but almost a year, the yeah. only residence in the I entire was there building. five years, the only residence. Wow. Roger, this is a question I'd like to ask before I end the podcast. This is fantastic. We're going to have to do this some more. We really will, because we have a lot we can talk about. We can go into some different areas. If you were to go back to in time, knowing what you know now, mm. and you were to see the younger Roger to give mm. him advice, mm. what year would you go back to, and what advice would you give him? Ooh, that's a that, that that's a good one. There's probably a whole bunch of times, a whole bunch of younger Rogers, and a whole bunch of advice. But uh, if I choose one, it might be more around uh, KPMG that I would have maybe been a little more, uh, made myself a little more aware, uh, gotten some, maybe some better counseling and, and advice from people while I was outside of the firm while I was there as to how to deal with a, a large complex uh, organization. And uh, I may have ended up staying there because I, Surely, I mean, I surely would have very quickly become partner. I was, I was, I was a, a director, uh, which is the one step before partner. I would have become partner, and quite likely, uh, as I look back on it, part of consulting eventually globally was spun out. There's a technology part of of, uh, of consulting, and I was kind of known already as the technology guy there, not because I knew technology, but I knew technology firms and how to deal with them. And again, we're just purely dreaming and speculating here, Lance. 
Uh, the part that was sp spun out then, and this had nothing to do with recruiting, this was, you know, actually uh, advising other, you know, clients on uh, structuring their, their technology infrastructure and so on, which I could have quickly learned. They did an IPO. Yeah. And uh, anybody who was a partner there had truckloads of money dumped on them. And, I, and so far in my life, I've never had truckloads of money dumped on me. <laughs> but this is all speculation. It's all speculation. So, you know, I have no idea. Right. But uh, I might advise myself, you know, to to get some coaching, you know, on on how to how to be more effective in a uh, complex organization like that. Wow, Roger. Thank yeah. you so much, buddy. Lance, thank you. It's, Let's it's, do this again. It we was a lot more to. fun than I had anticipated. Terry. And as you say, Terry. you and I have so much history. Don't we? That we go back uh, I mean, here in Japan. With you yeah. be, listen, you watched my, my journey through this club. <laughs> Roger, I want to thank you so much again. Lance, thank you. Really? Thank you. This is, this is great. Thank you. Yeah. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you remember, just remember that it's actually an audible podcast as well, but I'm really more focused on this video part. Never forget, it's all unknown, so continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed. Mm -hmm.